Welcome to episode 265 of the Women of the Military podcast. This week, my guest is First Lieutenant Nadia Kerman. Nadia is currently serving in Alaska, and when combat exclusion was lifted in 2015, it inspired her to join the Army. She wanted to be part of something new and knew that she could persevere to be a part of combat arms. She is now stationed in Alaska as part of the 11th Airborne Division as an infantry officer. In this episode, we talk about what it's like to be serving in Alaska and the unique mission that Alaska has for the Arctic region and all the things that the Army is doing. It was really interesting to learn about all the different things they were doing for the military and for the world in these harsh environments. So I really hope you enjoy this interview. But before we get started, I want to remind you that you can listen to Women of the Military podcast on Wreaths Across America on Fridays at 7 p.m. Eastern and Saturdays at 11 a.m. Eastern. And you can listen on iHeartRadio, the TuneIn app, or Odyssey. And now with that out of the way, let's get started with this week's interview. Welcome everyone to Women of the Military podcast. I'm really excited to have Nadia Kerman here. Actually, people have asked to have younger people who are still in the military, who have a, a lot closer to uh, boot camp and life experience. So I'm really excited to talk to her and just hear about how things are going in the military and how much has changed because apparently I'm getting older and older and not younger and younger. So Nadia, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I don't know if I can fully be the youth here, but I'll try my best. You're a lot closer than me. So let's start with why did you decide to join the military? Yeah, so it was kind of following in the footsteps of giants uh, type concept. So I, I saw women were allowed to go into combat arms and I was like, I I really enjoy challenging myself physically and you know, I thought it would be a good opportunity to really uh, change the future of the army for like women and accomplish some things that like very few have been able to accomplish. And I just wanted to set that as a goal for myself. So, you know, I I gave it my best effort. And here I am. So it's worked out. Definitely a little more difficult than I would have expected. But I don't want to say like being a minority, it's it's more difficult. But I also think like, you have to work a little harder for a seat at the table. And once you do that and prove yourself, like uh, people are really easy to work with and, you know, really receptive. So I think it's been a really good experience for me. So had you considered the military at all before combat exclusion was lifted or was that kind of what drew you in? That's kind of honestly what drew me in. Um, I I had considered going like engineer core beforehand um, because I started college as an engineer and then I realized I didn't really like engineering. So, um, I had considered it, but not really as like a career, uh, job. Medical service really like intrigued me as well. Cause I'm, I'm fairly into the medicine side of the house. I have a degree in neuroscience and psychology, so it kind of fits the more medical route, but while you're young, you can only be physical for so, so long, you know? So I was like, might as well capitalize on that opportunity for sure. And you're a lieutenant or first lieutenant in the army. And so what commissioning path did you follow when you were joining the army? So I went to ROTC at CU Boulder in Colorado. So I did that and then I was COVID year group. So it got kind of funky towards that. Um, And then I went to IBOLIC, so infantry basic officer leadership course, and then um, was supposed to go to 25th or uh, 4th ID, so 4th Infantry Division in Fort Carson, 
Um, and then they were integrating up here at uh, what was 425, now uh, 11th Airborne Division. So I got my orders changed to come up here. I really enjoy the outdoors. So honestly, Alaska was was new to me because I was supposed to go back to Colorado and was super comfortable with that. So the Army kind of pushed me out of my comfort zone by sending me up here. But uh, honestly, it's one of the best experiences that I could have asked for. Um, Alaska is beautiful. You, tons of outdoor stuff. So. So when you did ROTC, let's go back a little bit. And did you start that when you first started college or when in your college experience did you start ROTC? So I did three years at CU Boulder. So I did it um, those three years. Yeah. So Ohio has a college credit plus. So I, I got uh, almost four years taken out of college through high school. So I was able to um, I went to Purdue University and then uh, CU Boulder for neuroscience. So I was able to kind of capitalize on uh, what I wanted to study a little bit more and also like work under some like research stuff and more like microbiology, which was more interesting to me. So I considered a field uh, like going into that field, but then women could go into combat arms. And I was like, this is the one thing that I really want to do. Um so I did that. Okay. And then what was the selection process for picking your career field? Did you do that like near the end of your time in ROTC or did that happen like after your active duty? Like what was that process like? So I was the first year group of the talent board thing that they use now to select uh, what branch you want to go into. And so you have to interview with the branches now. Um I was pretty determined I was either going to go infantry or, uh, like, I really didn't consider a plan B, to be honest with you, because I was so determined to go into the infantry. So I interviewed with the branch manager for the infantry, and he was like, yeah, we'll, we'll for sure one for one you. So I knew pretty early on that I was going to go uh, infantry. I mean, I still found out at, like, branch day or whatever, but, like, based on my conversations with the branch manager, it was pretty much set in stone that... I was going to do that. That's awesome. Yeah. So you kind of had the, the confidence that it was going to work out, but then you have to wait till it's official at the branch night before you can like really have confidence. <laughs> you have like 90%, but then there's always that like 1% chance the military would do something crazy. Yeah. I had a lot of confidence in it, Um, to be honest, probably more than I should have considering like most of my friends did not get what they wanted, but I had a really good PT score and GPA, so that really helped. That's awesome. So you said you went to Ibolic, right? Isn't that what it's called? Do all second lieutenants go there? Is that the way it works? I was in the Air Force. I just make up what the Army does. <laughs> yeah, so the Army does basic officer leadership course for all of its branches. So like infantry, armor, cyber, uh, signal like they all go to different locations to do that and so the infantry ones at Fort Benning now Fort Moore Georgia and executes their like basic officer leadership skills that they need to then be a platoon leader at their battalion that they go to and then after that do you guys and because you're you're just with infantry is it a different sort of training than what the other schools do for the different branches yeah so it's pretty uh infantry centric so like tactics land nav 
you know, you have to be physically fit, things of that nature. So, um, they kind of take you from there and, uh, tailor it more to like what you're going to be doing on a ground as like a ground troop as like an infantry officer. And then you mentioned at the beginning of the interview that like being a minority, there's like challenges. And one of the things you said, which a lot of my past podcast guests have talked about is like having to prove yourself, like prove that you can do the work, prove that you're um, able to be part of the team. And so how did you go about like overcoming that challenge when you started your training? How did that work out? Yeah. So I think a lot of people want to talk about what they've done And, like, what I really learned is if you just show up and do the work, no matter how much you want to talk about it, like, nothing shows more than just executing and doing it. Uh, And I I think that that's really the key is a lot of people will talk about all their accomplishments and, like, I went to blah, blah, blah school and therefore, like, I've worked harder than most people. And, like, I think if you just show up and do the work and are silent about it, like you accomplish more things than the people who are really out there, like trying to a like prove that they're not the like highest accomplished person or whatever. So you just show up and execute and like, you'll do really well. Yeah. So you just put your head down, you did the work and you showed through your actions that you were qualified and able to be there and, people noticed because they saw the work that you were doing. Yeah. And I I think that's the other thing is a lot of people try and be like really good friends with everybody. So they get like a really like good peer rating or whatever. And at the end of the day, like you're being entrusted to lead soldiers and you can't be friends with everybody. And as long as you execute in like an ethical and moral way, like that's kind of the, the way to do it for sure. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So after you finished your training, is that when you went to Alaska or was there another training? Yeah. So I went to airborne school. I was supposed to go to ranger school, but um, I was in a rollover accident uh, when I first commissioned. And so I was unable to get my physical cleared. I had a brain injury. So I was unable to get my physical cleared for uh, ranger school, but I went to airborne school and executed that and then came up to Alaska is that still at Fort Liberty? Uh, no, that's at Fort Benning still, or more. I guess it's more now. Yeah. Yeah, Fort Moore. I know. We're, I'm trying to use the new names because we want to take the old names out, but it's hard because a lot of people don't know them. So yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's at Fort Moore too. So okay, so you were there, and that's like it's in the, it's the Alabama Georgia like line right isn't that where that is yeah it's the Alabama Georgia border so Columbus Georgia is the town most people know you know uh kind of small town you know vibes but I grew up in a small town so uh to be honest Columbus seemed like really big uh comparatively yeah it's funny how like based on where you grew up it's like it's a small town and you're like no it's not there's more than one stoplight yeah no my high school graduating class was 64 people so like when everyone's like oh it's a small town I'm like oh it's it's definitely not a small town um so yeah okay and so then when you finished that that's when you guys found out like where you guys were gonna go and you went up to Alaska yep and then I've been in Anchorage ever since and so what has your job been like at your first assignment in the army um, so I'm currently the battalion adjutant, so I'm like the, you know, 
liaison to the BC and execute like all the admin stuff and things of that nature. So I've gotten a really good uh, look at what it's like echelons above where most lieutenants are at. So most people are in like a platoon. So that's uh, two echelons below battalion level. So I've I've gotten kind of to see how the intricacies of everything work, um, which has been really nice. And I worked with really good leaders um, that have really inspired confidence in myself to be able to execute what I do. And then they've also given me a lot of free reign to be creative and think outside of the box and things of that nature. So done a lot of community service projects as well within the battalion. So um, that's like a big thing for me is community outreach. So we've, we've done a clothing drive where we've gotten 4,000 pounds of clothes and donated them to the Anchorage community. I adopted a highway with one of my coworkers wives. So that's been really good. Um, You know, things of that nature. We've done a gravestone cleanup for Memorial day, um, school drive for the local Anchorage school district and things of that nature. So really getting out into the community and making a difference like outside of the gate, which I think is, you know, we talk about like the mental health problems in the army. And I think if you get outside of the gate and you actually like help impress upon the community that like you can do good things in uh, the places that you're stationed, I think that's, that's really critical to creating just like a, a happy life and also just, you know, volunteering makes you feel good and uh, can get people out of their barracks room. So I really encourage like community outreach within the the local surrounding population. Yeah, I, I love that you guys are doing that because that's really so great that you're getting connected with the community, especially, I mean, you're in Alaska, far away, far away from family and friends. And so it could get really lonely really quickly. But if you can build that community around you, that really can help And speaking of mental health, there's been like a lot of stuff in the news and I'm currently a military spouse and I'm in military spouse groups. And it seems like there's a lot of like fear about what's going on overseas. And then I know with like we're under continuing resolution right now. So what has the morale been like in your unit? Have you seen any anxiousness or like what has it been like to be in the military right now with all the different things happening? in the world. So I think it depends on what your strategic level is, right? So we are the Arctic strategy. So um, 11th Airborne Division is really the pre- is really on the precipice of joining the strategic level and the um, tactical level of execution. So for us being in like the Indo-PACOM region and things of that nature, like we really have the ability to influence the Arctic strategy and the capabilities within the Arctic. So we're doing some pretty revolutionary things over here. So we have people who are like redesigning entire communication structures and things of that nature. So we really like... I think it's exciting to be in the 11th Airborne Division because we get to really be more on the strategic level at like a division or like battalion or brigade level, um, which I don't think many uh, units really get the ability to do that. And we also have kind of the, like we have our Arctic allies and our NATO partners, but we also have one of the biggest oil pipelines in the entire country that we are responsible for um, protecting that. And we're also really close to Russia and things of that nature. So um, I think it's like really exciting to be here and um, really focus like strategically. Um, That really, honestly, like the strategic part to me is super, it's nerdy, but it's also like super awesome to think about because 
we're shaping, um, you know, our only Arctic Airborne Division in the Army, and we're really getting to shape all that cold weather stuff and airborne within the cold weather operations. And we get to look at our NATO allies and see what they're doing and see what works and then kind of implement it versus, like, they're not necessarily airborne, so then we have to build off that. So it's really interesting. So I think I think we have a different perspective up here. I'm sure people are, like, politically um, concerned right now. Uh, I don't know who wouldn't be, but I also think, like, based on, like, the strategy and, like, the Arctic, you know, strategy we have up here, it's it's a little, little different. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, because your mission and your focus is very different than... I think what the media tells is, like, a different story than what, like, you know, when you talk to someone in the military and you hear about their specific experience and what um, they, they're they doing, like, it's so cool to hear about all the different things that you're doing. You think, oh, you're in Alaska, what are you doing? And you're like, all this cool stuff. And I think so many people don't get to hear about what people are doing in the different parts of the world and even in the United States that... We just don't think about like all the different things the military is doing and all the capabilities that the military has that sometimes we just don't think about. And so that was I loved hearing all the different things that the mission is focused on and the strategy and and how much you're enjoying the work that you're doing. And it sounds like even with all the like negativity, there's a lot of positive things happening and that's really good. So I, I love hearing that. Yeah, I'm a really firm believer that you can always find negatives in the things that you're doing, but it, it takes someone who wants to improve to see the positives in a situation. Um, so I think, I mean, it's really easy to complain about any job, I would I would assume. So you just have to find the things you enjoy and like keep capitalizing on them. Yeah, so you've only been in the Army for a few years, and you have this whole career ahead of you. I mean, you could stay in, you could get out. Do you really have, do you have a plan for what the future looks like over the next five, 10 years and what you see yourself doing? Yeah. So I'm, I'm actually trying to uh, switch to social work, which is kind of a huge switch, but I broke both of my legs in March. <laughs> so to be completely honest with you, like I'm probably not going to be able to stay in the infantry, but I think like the mental health care, like that's so prominently discussed and then uh, things of that nature, like social work is kind of the route that I think I'm going to go. Um, and whether that's through the army, air force or VA, I'm not sure yet, but I think that's something that really speaks to me is uh, trying to help other people. Yeah, I love hearing how you're, like, planning for the future and realizing, like, infantry is very physically tough on your body, and then you add in injury, and it makes it even more challenging to continue in that career path, and so that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah, so it sounds like you're already starting to plan that, look at different programs that are offered, and figure out a path forward, so that's really awesome. Yeah, it should be good. I'm I'm excited kind of for the shift, too. Um, to be honest with you, because I think like as mental health is not as stigmatized as it was, I think it's there's still a stigma there. And I know 11th Airborne Division has done uh, what we call like wellness 100 or mission 100. Sorry. And uh, that really like it makes you go speak to someone once a year. So I think they're 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 in the right path. But I think like right now, if you want to get to see someone off base, it's like a month or two referral process so I think if they had more people in house or you know I can solve all the problems I want until I'm in the field right but 
I think there's definitely some work to be done there, and I think that's something that I'm willing to devote a lot of my time to helping out. Yeah, I mean, we definitely need more mental health professionals and more, especially who have military experience, because there's so many people who have trauma from deployments um, over the past 20 years of us being in Iraq and Afghanistan, and then just the challenge of, you know, being away from family, being in a remote location, moving, all those things, military life can be really challenging. And so having more people in the mental health profession who have that military connection really can just help people as they go through their mental health journey. I I think it's really interesting how the army like moves people (laughs) for lack of like better like words to be honest but uh 11th airborne division has this program right now where they'll ship you to your home of record for free to kind of help getting get people home because flying back from alaska is super expensive so 11th airborne division is really helping out um on that front as well so yeah there's it's you're like three thousand miles away from home and everything but and we're not getting deployed like they were in GWAT. So they're really like given an effort to get service members and paratroopers home. So that's that's like a good thing that they're doing um, to kind of negate some of the homesickness and being thousands of miles away. Because like some people are like 18, 19 years old. We're born in the 2000s and they're they're getting shipped home like once a year now. But but it's free, which is like really helpful to um, the bank account. So they're really they're really doing great things up here. Uh, for mental health and also like getting people back to their home of records yeah I mean that's so important because it is it's so expensive and you're so far away and I mean I remember when I was first in the military and we were only in New Mexico and so we would drive back to California and it was a really long drive but it was way cheaper than flying and so and we were young lieutenants and so that was like the easiest way to get there but like to have that support where they can like get you home so you can see your family once a year. It's really important, especially being, you know, overseas far away from family and being young. And especially if you're single and you don't have that community around you, that can be really challenging. So, yeah. Yeah. They're doing a really good job though. So I think, I mean, they're paying like, I don't even want to know how much money on this, but it's really, it's really beneficial to, I think, to the mental health for people. And also like they get to see their family without like the financial burden that is the $2,000 plane ticket home, you know? Yeah. And like, maybe it costs a little money to get someone home, but if you can help your soldiers stay healthy, help them to stay in the military, like help them to have, you know, a better overall mental health that, that pays itself back dramatically and can really, work in the favor of the military so that makes a lot of sense i think if you uh show people you care about them there's a lot of buy-in so i think it's really good for sure it goes a long way so you've only been in the military for a few years but um how has it changed you as a person what have you learned about yourself and how has it changed you or are you the same no i'm definitely not the same uh i think and this is gonna sound really weird but i think the army has taught me how to fail which, I mean, a lot of people are really scared of failing. And I was also one of the people that, you know, like first in my class, like really good GPA, like really out there for like, you know, winning, winning matters to me. And uh, 
I think for the first time in my life, I've learned how to fail, but I've been around very supportive people. So it hasn't felt kind of like a failure, but like when I couldn't go to ranger school, like that was one of my goals and I wasn't able to accomplish that. And so I failed in my, my own book, but uh, so many people around me were like, Hey, like you've made an impact this way, this way, and this way. So like, you might feel like you failed, but like there's other ways to make impacts than getting a tab or whatever, like getting a tab is still like part of the goal. And like, really, I really admire and look up to the people who've done it. Um, and like, that makes me feel like a failure, but it, it doesn't necessarily justify being a failure in the end. So it's, it's made me really comfortable with, uh, like change and also just like my goal setting and like expectation management like some things aren't in my control which is really hard for me to initially comprehend here but um I think I've learned how to fail valiantly which is kind of ironic but it's really taught me to be more flexible in that realm yeah I think that's a great lesson learned and it really resonates with me and like my experience in the military because you do you have have to put you push yourself in situations where you have to push yourself and like sometimes it doesn't work out but even though it it's like you you're using the word failure and I'm like but look at like all the ways you've grown and all the things that you've gained from it and it's only by like shooting for something really big that you were able to get to where you were and then you know go to airborne school and accomplish that and do all the amazing things so that makes a lot of sense I really that really resonates yeah, I think people have such a negative connotation attached to failing. But I like personally, I wish I would have failed a little younger. So I would have known how to like, not necessarily cope with it, but like adapt and like be like more okay with it. But I think I failed in a pretty regulated safe environment that it was like, okay, well, I failed. But now I have like, all these other options that I can go achieve. And like, honestly, like if I would have succeeded and gone to ranger school and passed and everything, I probably would have stayed in the infantry. But now I'm looking at like, how can I best affect change that I am passionate about? And that's why I started looking into social work and things of that nature. So it's kind of opened more of my eyes to see the more possibilities and like, for me to be more accommodating of other goals than just like being physically fit and crushing you know, like just walking long distances. So it's it's really been helpful to me. Um, and I don't really attach a negative connotation with it anymore. Yeah. So, so many people do say like failure. Oh, that's bad. Avoid at all costs. But it's more like, oh, I'll try that. And if it fails, I'll learn things along the way and I can, you know, just pivot in a new direction and figure out my next path. And yeah, I, yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah. yeah I wish I would sure. have learned that sooner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It always happens at the best time, though. Yeah, kind of serendipitous, but it it worked out, so I can't really complain. So I always like to end my interview with what advice would you give to young women who are considering joining the military? So you're pretty close to, like, joining, even though you don't think you're close. (laughs) You're a lot closer than I am. So what would you say to someone who's considering joining the military right now? Honestly, I would tell them not to expect a seat at the table, and that if they want to sit at the, at the a table, they have to bring their own chair and they have to earn that seat. And it might be working harder than other people who are just given a seat at the table. But at the end of the day, like it'll be more rewarding and you'll feel 
um, better about yourself. And I'll also tell them that at some point the army is going to end or the military service is going to end. So like really get out and do community service in the, in the communities that you're around because you can feel more impactful there and you can talk to people who have civilian jobs and kind of understand like their relationship with the military and what it's like to live in a military based town. So like really get out there and like, make the world better in the small areas that you're around because a lot of families by military bases don't necessarily have the best outlook on military uh, families and just like the organization as a whole and like you can shape them into being like really proud of the military that is near them and I feel like that's like a big thing if you get the community support you can do um, almost anything so I think that's just like what I would recommend doing and uh just don't give up, you know? Yeah, that's great advice. And I especially like the outward focus because, you know, when you're in the military and especially with like the moving factor, it's really easy to be like, well, I'm only going to be here for a few years. So why do I even need to get involved with the community? But that's part of why the military community gets a bad rap. We get very like, you know, you know, us focus instead of, you know, outward focus. And so I love that you guys are working to like have a positive impact in the community. And I think that helps you like you learn so many things from it. You get to talk to civilians, you get to hear about different experiences and you build friendships and yeah, it just makes for overall better experience. So I think that's really great. Yeah. And it also like, it brings home the fact that like when you think your life sucks, like there's someone out there who has it 10 times worse than you and you can brighten their day and like make them feel like loved and cared for and like they belong in the community. So um, I know a lot of people are like, oh, my life sucks. But like at the end of the day, like American citizens have it really well and really great, like good times here. So at the end of the day, like someone has it definitely way worse than you. So like go make a positive impact in their life. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for telling about your experience in the Army. I want to wish you like all the best luck in your future career. It sounds like you have a lot of things planned, so I can't wait to see what happens next. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you so much.